Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, the show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. All right, hello, hello everybody, and happy Thursday. I am very excited to have another episode of Changing the Climate, and I am very lucky and pleasured to welcome my guest, Sarah Dawn Haynes. Sarah Dawn, thank you so much for being here. Good morning, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. And we always love to get the show started with a little bit of background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing at the moment. Wonderful. My, um, my path was, you know, nonlinear, like many of us who um, are finding our way through this world. And I moved down here from the South Park area and Evergreen. I like to say I was raised by old hippies, bikers and cowboys. And I moved to Boulder to pursue uh, an you know, opportunity to study at Front Range Community College. And I was working and um, a first generation student and uh, find, finding that, that you know, the environment's always been important to me. And um, through just showing up to places, um, the Boulder Creek Festival, where um, the community has tables, you know, nonprofits. And I ran into wildlands restoration volunteers who I've been really involved with. And through them, I met a fella who um, is still a dear friend and uh, Phil, and he was um, wearing a Bioneers shirt. Bioneers. Bioneers, B-I-O-N-E-E-R-S.org. And they are also um, a radio show that I had been hearing and was really inspired. And um, he was like, there's a conference, you should come at CU. So a regional uh, satellite event. And I was blown away with the content. You know, this was in 2005, six, um, 2005, fall of 05. And really the first time I started looking and understanding and having people talking about issues that I cared about being mm-hmm. around that and also issues that I had never had a chance to talk about really like um, racial justice issues, indigenous issues. And um, then I transferred to see you in the spring of 06. And Welcome. I ran into um, someone who was, you know, I remembered and I was like, you were part of that conference. I want to volunteer when I get involved. And he took me upstairs and UMC to the environmental center. And I started volunteering. And then um, through that journey, I um, worked and helped with that conference for many years and lots of wonderful things as a student and employee. And uh, then when I graduated in 08, I was hired in 09 to help um, work on on outreach and engagement. So it's been about 15 years. And through that time, um, I've been part of lots of different circles and um, groups and um, everything from Boulder Babes rugby team to our, um, you know, supporting uh, kids in my neighborhood, um, you know, watching them grow up, working with BVSD, the um, loads of volunteering and uh the um it, like I didn't mean to things just there's a lot of opportunities you know especially if you're able to stay put and I've been able to do that because I have affordable housing interesting and that really opened the door to my um involvement with co-op ordinance and now working with bedrooms are for people very cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing. You're a, you're a rarity and a natural born Coloradan on the show. So we're happy to have you and it's nice to hear. Yeah, I mean, you get involved with the community and then more and more people you meet and everyone's really nice. It's great. I'm, I'm curious well, why your interest in like these topics has persisted. I'm wondering if it's kind of just who you've always been in, interested in environmentalism or sustainability or you think it's really because the community that you're involved with you love so much. Yeah, great question. You know, I remember an auntie from Missouri. Um, my father was the first in seven generations to leave Missouri. And she um, she had said to me once when I was like a teenager, probably she's like, you know, I know your daddy liked being outside, but I don't remember him giving a damn what happened to it. <laughs> 
and like, where did this come from? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he passed when I was young, but in the years since getting involved with restoration, ecological restoration and trail building, I've worked on mountains that he helped blow up for mining. <laughs> So it was a death end, you know, like being able to restore um, some of these places that, um, you know, and that that Colorado has a really extractive history, especially in the high country. Um, A lot of the West does, you know, it's it's part of the legacy of the last couple hundred years and there's a lot of work to restore it. So I've been exposed to these issues. I grew up, you know, uh, camping and fishing and um, the hunting, the, um, it's, it's, it's hard not to fall in love with Colorado and being outdoors and being in these places over, you know, with a conscious memory, you know, I'm 40. Um, I have, I have some decades of, of memories and I'm watching Colorado get loved to death. So, you know, being able to show up and take care of what I love is, is it, it isn't something that I have to think about. Um, and we're just so lucky because there's agencies that create the opportunities for just anybody to show up and, and do work that um, helps take care of what we have, you know, 14ers and rivers and trails. Uh, it's a lot of, a lot of work and funding has been decreasing over the last you know, 10 years, well, especially through the pandemic, um, impact and use has been uh, going up, of course, with population going up. And I can't blame people for wanting to be here and be in these spaces and do these wonderful things. But um, we need more, um, more help. And so I uh, probably got off on a little bit of a tangent because I get really excited and passionate about um, outdoor conservation and, uh, and, and just, you know, gratitude for, for what we have and the people who've built, put, they, there's so much, so much labor and people who've built um, a lot of wonderful spaces that we play in throughout the front range and in the West. Mm-hmm. Great. Very cool. Yeah. Well, that story that you mentioned about your, your dad doing mining and now you working on sustainability is very interesting. And it, it kind of transitions me into to want to bring up the topic of kind of general schools of thought of regeneration versus sustainability. And I know it's just words and we're all trying to make the world a better place. But ever since I talked to Phil from Mad Ag, I've been really interested in the idea of, yeah, you know him, I take it. He's really cool. Um, the idea of, of regeneration over just sustainability, because I think the, the mainstream idea, even though it wasn't always mainstream is now this we need to sustain things so we don't like take away more but I feel like when we'll get it we'll get into talking about um, biomimicry and 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 doing what the land wants soon but I feel like the idea of generation just really rings true to me as as a servant personality I always want to give back more than I take so I just wanted to ask your opinion on that distinction looks like we've got another guest a guest on the show yeah this is Finnegan um he's the sweetest best boy and uh the um does it that's great and i adore phil and mad ag's work and also um we're both um pretty big fans of uh sorry i'm so overexposed in here but the land institute and phil and i have caravaned with students uh to the salina kansas at the end of september and this place is doing the regenerative agriculture um through kernza perennial grain and they have tours and talks. It's the New York Times calls it an intellectual hootenanny. And, <laughs> um, they do a lot to incorporate biomimicry, indigenous, traditional ecological knowledge, um, you know, culture, as well as applied science and STEM in the service of transforming our agriculture for the next 10,000 years. I uh, have seen our conversation, you know, from environmentalists, you know, conservationists, sustainability, regeneration, um, and it's 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 really exciting. You know, words are are um, magic, and uh, that's why they call it spelling, right? <laughs> but the um, the regenerative, you know, concepts of systems thinking is uh, really 
transforming like solutions and the way we frame problems. Um, the, there's a lot of spokes on the wheel, you know, and directions people can go to kind of come back to regeneration, whether it's biomimicry or it's um, permaculture. There's, there's different um, applications and facets and we, we, we do need to look a lot towards indigenous knowledge um, and understanding and the, uh, you know, a lot of our climate leaders are, are, are pointing towards intrinsic knowledge and also research that supports, we want land management in the hands of indigenous people. Um, and a lot of times they're still not even at the table. You know, we're mm -hmm. seeing things slowly change in Boulder County as well as nationally. Um, the uh, elections matter, you know, and yeah. that um, like, I am so interested what our indigenous um, folks of the West think of prairie dogs, because it's one of those really contentious issues for Boulder. And, uh, you know, that there's, um, it's, 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 there's a lot to say about that, but I'll just leave it there because it's okay. thorny. Um, cute and loud. Yeah, it's, it's a Boulder badge to um, be at a city council meeting and have people fight about prairie dogs. So, you know. Um, yeah. hmm. Can you expand on this indigenous topic a little bit? What, what led you to the belief that um, indigenous ways of life are maybe, I don't know if you're making the claim that they're superior to our way of life, but at least essential to creating a, a better balance, at least with nature. I did, I do uh, recall watching a video like last week where there's all these, it's like a compilation of indigenous leaders talking about the way uh, colonizers treat the land versus the way they treat the land. And it definitely rings true to me, but I'd love to kind of expand these ideas to a broader audience. Yeah, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the best um, place to learn is through the Bioneers, and we also are lucky to have it play on KGNU, 88.5 FM. I'm a lifetime <laughs> listening member. She's got a um, tattoo that says 88.5. Is that right? Yes. Cool. I got it for the spring pledge drive for the radio station a few years ago um, because I talk about it so much that I, I'm like, no, I really mean it. Like, I like this, like Hell it's yeah. a permanent, you know, like, um, Rip it. yes, uh, um, they are so amazing. And they play excerpts of this show, KG New, uh, 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 Sundays at two. And it's before, um, uh, Teresa Halsey's show about native news and music and, listening to um, scholars and I'm looking for her book on my um, we've got Rachel Walkimer and she wrote Sweet Braiding Sweetgrass and she's um, an academic and indigenous woman and, and you know I'm not um, we, we've, we've lost a lot of um, knowledge about place and mm -hmm. um the you know it's 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 like one of my favorite examples was I spend a lot of time in my yarden yeah hashtag yarden thing <laughs> we got a lot of terms today we get, get yeah. the dictionaries out and um well this one isn't in there yet but let's make it let's get it there That's I have a do. perennial um edible front yard so it's a yarden a, instead a of like perennial grass. edible front yard so it's a yarden instead of like grass. We fed that to the chickens. Right, 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 right. And um, we, you know, I've spent time and I'm, you know, I'm familiar with the cycles of it. That's also part of biomimicry is observation and um, the birds and the critters that come through and the bulbs and the blossoms and the tree, like I'm really familiar, right? And I've lived in my house for about 17 years Mm -hmm. So then I think about somebody whose um, familiarity is thousands of years. Right. You know, that the language is built on the natural environment, like the Arapaho people, um, you know, and like that level of observation and knowing is, is, is very different and it leads to different understandings. So a lot of it is missing, but there's a growing body of, um, 
scholar, indigenous scholars, especially in the climate movement, and they're organized out of Boulder through NCAR, even though it's a uh, national. Uh, have to reach out. Yeah, there's 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 a lot um, of of folks who are helping um, more tradition Western traditional science uh, understand and make make more meaning out of what we know. And that's really exciting. I really encourage folks to listen to Indigenous Futures. Yeah. You know, we're familiar with Afro Futures because of the popularity of the Black Panther movie. Okay. And it's a whole genre, you know, and it's part science fiction, but it's also part, um, you know, well, futures thinking and, and helping people identify not just what's um, possible or what's probable, but what's preferred. Yeah, I love that. Very, very cool. So you've been involved in this environmental space for over a decade now, as we discussed. I just wanted to kind of gauge what is your like vision for the future of society? If you were kind of to get the control of the reins, what kind of direction would you want to lead the majority of the way we live our lives um, differently? If that kind of question makes sense a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and one of the first things in futures work is that that is a plural um, futures. verb, futures. We have mm-hmm. many, many futures that are possible, probable, ah. and preferred. You can think of it as more like a Venn diagram. And as we, as we move out, like here we are in the present moment going out into futures. Oh, look, this is so perfect. <laughs> right? Here's each, each Blossom is like a futures. Pretty. Um, so, you know, it's very nonlinear and there's a lot of great futurist work. I love to follow Dr. Stuart Candy on Twitter and he has a great blog. He teaches up at Carnegie Mellon and did his doctorate at the University of um, Hawaii in Manoa under Jim Dater and who helped start futurists. And it's about a 50 year old plus academic field that helps us create more tangible um, tools to help people see more possibilities. Mm-hmm. And so I can't say that I have one preferred future. I do know that there's far greater justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion in the futures that I want to be a part of. Love it. Um, I know that the the products that I use every day will not make me sick with non-genetic diseases. Mm -hmm. Is it tea? It is. Um, and it's my mama. Everyone who's listening is missing all the amazing visuals. We got the dog, we got the fox teacup and the, the dandelions. And the, um, the, you know, B corporations are so, so exciting. What is and a B corporation? They are a, uh, a level of incorporation for businesses that have a triple bottom line it's People not planet about, profit mm-hmm, it's not just towards your um return you know your returns to your board to your stakeholders uh it also measures your accountability in the manufacturing and distribution and you know your workforce wellness your community reinvestment it's it's a it's really inspiring and we're lucky to have some amazing leaders here in the front range. They, uh, Kim Kupanis, who locals know um, through her and her husband's work on Go Light. And she's working, you know, she's been working on this for many, many years now and has a great like a uh, uh, Boulder TEDx talk about it, her work and, and well, her, bigger than that, you know, mo- but she's, she's a great person to follow in that field and a, and a local uh, front range person. So yeah, B Corp. And um, I have a lot of excitement for living buildings mm-hmm. and interna- international living futures. Um, 
ILFI, they have a ton of resources because a lot of us are familiar with the LEED certification, right, for buildings. Um, how progressively sustainable is your, your building? Um, everything from the, the supply chain of the lumber you use, the um, chemicals involved in fastening and you know, weatherproofing to um, the paint, you know, uh, there's some really, really wonderful examples that are built and they're performing and they're, you know, we, we have the technology and I'm hoping that we see some in Boulder in the coming years because it's, it's, uh, it's next level. Like, Lead certification is cool. It feels like high school. Like you should totally get your high school degree. It's a really yeah. good idea to have your high school degree. And um, statistics say. And then and then going to college is getting a living green building. You okay. Know? And and that's where we need to move um, towards. Huh. I am excited about futures that give people um, safer options to bike and walk. You know, as a 15 year cyclists in Boulder, it's scary. Like we do have a lot of really amazing bike paths over 300 miles of bike paths. Thank you to Spence Havlick and Will Tour and loads of people um, who've helped invest in Boulder's um, uh, non-car culture, but it, we still, you know, I, I, I face dangerous situations um, in my neighborhood and along, you know, the bike path crossing where it crosses Broadway, we have, we still have a long way to go to make that better. And, um, sure. and the, uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about more sharing opportunities. You know, the mm -hmm. cost of living in Boulder is huge. Right? huge. Um, and going up this year, ah, a lot ah, low, in low inventory levels. Ah. And, um, let's talk about using existing housing stock better. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, so ha not having to have a car is, is really important to a lot of young people because of our climate commitments, because of our budgets, um, because of our values, because we want to be able to um, have the option of busing and biking and walking and car sharing. And um, I am a car owner. I just bought... Mm -hmm my first not thousand dollar car from a friend this last year, thanks to cool. Elevations Credit Union for the great loan. Shout out Elevations. I'm a member as well. They do a great job. Yes, join your local, local. Join your local credit union. And then I bought from a local business, uh, Boulder Hybrids, and I got a 2019 Mitsubishi Outlander. Congrats. Hybrid Yes. And um, shout out to the Mitsus. And uh, but I, you know, I do share it with my roommates because um, I'm looking for that good karma. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> I also have, you know, values in sharing. And so it's yeah. uh, and it, it's it's it, it's it's really important. So our future, you know, does have more sharing. We just we need less stuff than I think our or we find less value in having a lot of stuff. And, and so sharing is, you know, we've got the tool library at the resource yard. Like there's a lot of great examples. Um, I definitely want to like delve in more to talking about communal li living. And, and there's a lot of a couple of people I've talked to have this vision for how boulders should kind of evolve. And I want to get into that a little bit later, but I just want to try and stay a little bit more big picture. Cause I just kind of can't resist. I love talking about this kind of stuff. I wanted to get your thoughts on like biomimicry, why it's appealing to you and kind of give it a definition as well, as well. Cause I, I kind of see this contention as I study these issues more and more, I see this contention between, um, people who want to build a very robust, like cerebrocentric world that's based on the human brain creating things and controlling the system, creating artificial systems like the, the plastic walls or the carpet that's made out of petroleum or whatever it's made out of versus people like indigenous people or our, ad our environmental advocates are more interested in letting nature kind of dictate the way things go. And I see them. It seems like we've definitely veered way more into like 
the way humans come up with something and they just do it no matter what the the resource consumption is it's just the way it is so i wanted to kind of ask why you're more appealed to like a natural way of living or biomimicry sure and um Oh, I could I could nerd out so hard on biomimicry. I got to Let's do go. about a year long uh, training with um, a lovely woman, um, Marie uh, Zanowick Bourgeois, and she was with the EPA as an engineer. And she got really excited about it because she learned about it at the Bioneers Conference. And she um, she created this opportunity for us, and it was really really inspiring and wonderful. And everybody in our cohort was just incredible. And I'm still hoping that the University of Colorado at Boulder will create um, opportunities for our faculty to um, teach biomimicry because it's a global phenomenon. We have many, 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 many hundreds, if not thousands of biomimicked, biomimicry inspired products on the market that are outperforming its, its competitors. What is biomimicry exactly? What is biomimicry? It's using the 3.8 billion years of R&D in nature to inspire our our creation of um, built environment, widgets, you know. Like living in reciprocity with the way things are moving. Biomimicry is, um, it's a concept and it's also um, a methodology of research and design. So looking at form and function, and there's, I was looking earlier, I was looking on my shelf because I'm kind of shocked. I must've brought it back to my office, Um, but the uh, biomimicry handbook, you know, it's, it's a really robust way of learning from nature as mentor and model, you know? And so when I talk about the Land Institute and and when Phil does from Mad Ag, you know, they were looking at the prairie and how robust prairie grasses are, um, very deep roots. And we want our perennial grains or which are annuals, wheat is an annual, to mimic the, the, the resiliency, you know, of, um, perennial grasses. So deeper roots, you know, more, um, drought and flood and insect resilient, you know, so over the 40 years, Wes Jackson and, um, other people involved have, you know, cross, um, pollinated and cultivated these. I have actually brought home from my office and a lot of my artifacts, um, that, I use in teaching biomimicry and the, um, you know, looking at and asking questions about. All right, let's see what we got here. We've got some visuals coming up, y'all. Is that a giant pine cone? It's a beautiful pine cone. And it's a sugar cone pine cone um, from. from Does it smell good? Um, And, you know, then I have a hornet's nest and you can see the. you know, the shape. So we what do these items mean to you? Why did you decide to bring them into your home? um, Well, they're beautiful. And, um, you know, to keep the awe of of nature. So we ask, you know, questions about um, why is it the shape? And you could look at the plants in your living room, you know, in your street. And why is the leaf shaped that way? Why is, um, what, what function does it serve? So if you, if you really want to nerd out, you want to go to biomimicry.net and um, asknature.org because you can ask, how does nature cool? How does nature transfer heat? You know, and there's a lot of examples that people have put into products, but also, you know, into science, we, um, we have a a great example is, um, you know, spider spit. Um, spiders use spider spit to build their threads and, um, you know, pound for pound when they compare it to steel, it's stronger. And, you know, we, we see green chemistry used in making abalone shell, you know, um, we're using porcelain, we're using a lot of heat beat and treat methodology to create, um, similar structures. We look at the Lotus, 
as a self-cleaning organism and they've put that towards skyscrapers, um, you know, so they don't have to send people up to clean windows. We have um, airplanes being mimicked after whales. Um, you know, they, they, they're big and heavy and they jump and fly through, you know, the air with their um, wing out and uh, looking at what has survived tsunamis, asteroids, yeah. ice ages, there's, there's good design, there's, there's knowledge and we're a relatively young species mm -hmm. and um, we're doing a lot to um, uh, cause harm in absolutely. So we we need to look to our elders and there's this, you know, strong huh. reverence piece of looking at nature. And that's another part of like the indigenous knowledge um, of, and, and perspective of the world. You know, it's, it's, it's less um, dominion over mm -hmm. and, and, you know, uh, looking at, 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 at these beings as, um, uh, with their own intelligence and right when you look at it through a science lens you know it kind of takes away some of the woo-woo that might trip some people up um and you know if you're thinking about like a scientific methodology and we have some great biomimicry research at cu they don't really call it that as much but you know it's it, it's out there and people you know, asu um you know has a whole masters and center for biomimicry um, the, uh, I think we're missing out. There's a, uh, interface floor is a big, big, uh, flooring company and they have, um, after their founder, a, a ray of hope, hundred thousand dollar competition for students. And our students can't compete because they're not really trained in doing biomimicry mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, which is just, it feels like such a loss for an R1 university to not be on this cutting edge. Gotcha. Uh, I'm curious why you think biomimicry would be preferred to, I don't even know what else to call it, to something we come up with in our, our own minds. Because it seems like that the preference, the way I kind of see society now is it's, we've moved, Western world is very agnostic based and, and the human is like the ultimate intelligence. Whereas I think people who are more interested in indigenous cultures or natural stuff or it's more spiritual it's more connection to the land to the way things are meant to be so i'm looking for some kind of robust argument for why that would be preferred to a more like anthropogenically built world yeah um well it's it it's an interesting conversation um and there's there's so much writing too like when you start like if you start googling and looking like there's there's a lot of people who have addressed some of this these things and um, I look at the performance of the products on the market. Okay. PAX, PAX um, uh, systems, you know, the, we look at um, they're, they're using green chemistry. They're, they're doing more of what they're designed to do without a without negative byproduct or negative outcomes that you have to like account for mm -hmm. so it's it, it's not you know the um the, it, it's another methodology of of looking at and solving for problems and yeah. the um it's 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 just it's out there there's so many case studies and when people start to see what's possible um that, that it opens their minds and are like whoa well if that's possible what else is you know and anything i also i would also say if you look into a lot of our um knowledge like there's there's a lot of examples of biomimicry being used or mm -hmm. um inspired from without it being called that and, yeah. you know, I think the, the more you learn about it and, and then the um, examples are just really what it's when you see those examples, when you see the bullet train in China is modeled after the Kingfisher and why that happened is, you know, it's it's just it's it, it's there. Um, it's in front of us. All the there are so many solutions to our problems and um, 
you know, so the more people can be educated in this. In fact, like both in 2019, like the California was instituting biomimicry um, as a um, requirement, you know, in K through 12 schools. And I've been trying to find information if like this is being implemented in their curriculum, you know, but like this is there's there's some small research through um, a former uh, graduate student, CU, who looked at it as biomimicry for a comprehension tool for biology, but it's just, it's so juicy and it's so good. And it's not like, wouldn't this be cool? No, this is stuff happening that we're doing mm-hmm. and that's in the world. And the um, there's so much more to discover about our world and how it works and why it works and um, how to apply that to the challenges that we have and the things that we want as humans. And, um, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's so much to, to do still. Like we think, I, I think it's a lot of hubris to think that we're like, we've arrived, you know, like there's so, <laughs> so much um, more to advance um, totally. in species. And, and, and it, it, then, you know, people who are really looking for, uh, different um, visual than like the the um, techno future is mm-hmm. solar punk. There's lots solar of, punk. Lots of Facebook pages. There's art. It goes with those themes of um, indigenous futures, Afro futures. Solar punk is you know like this incorporation of. Um, science and technology and also ecological restoration, just societies. And it's, uh, it's really inspiring. Hope punk has like, like um, steampunk, but hope punk is another genre people can look up and, and have more. um, They're a little fantastical, but there's, you know, I think the biomimicry images also kind of feed into that, but a little, a a lot more plausible because they're here in real life. Very cool. Thank you so much for talking about that. I really appreciate it. It's a very interesting topic to me. I think we sometimes forget that we we really are made out of biomaterial. You know, we're carbon-based life forms as well. We're all part of the the same team with the pine cones and the dirt and the trees. Uh, um, but we but we have a responsibility with this higher level of cognition that um I I I truly appreciate and I think a lot more people should as well. And then yeah, so now we're kind of running running towards the end or out of time here. And I want to get to your thoughts on kind of the way you think the Boulder, Boulder should kind of progress in the future and have a more communal lifestyle. And I think it's never been more relevant to talk about something like this after COVID, after having seen what it's like to be isolated away from your loved ones for so long to see that we are, not only are we biomaterial, we are, we're just we are simple organisms. Like we're meant to live in groups of 150. This is what we used to do. And we would be all working together, whether to go hunt or gather. And now we've created these, these, like I mentioned, these artificial walls. So I wanted, I wanted to, I don't, I have a bunch of questions. I'm not sure we're going to get to them all. What's, what's your kind of vision for a more communal way of living in, in our community? Well, first and foremost, we need to pass the petition, get the petition for bedrooms are for people. Let's talk, let's talk about that. What is bedrooms are for people? It is um, on a second attempt, really a third, um, uh, to get on the ballot and legalize a person per bedroom plus one. Mm-hmm. And we feel like it's a really um, valuable measure for people already living in Boulder. You it's know, three zoned unrelated at the moment, right? Much of the living spaces in Boulder are three. There are places that are zoned for four unrelated people, you know, and this has been uh, a personal issue where a co-op in Boulder, um, where I live, and, you know, the um, there's, there's several co-ops in Boulder. Some are permitted, some are not. What is a co-op? A co-op is a intentional living community and it's defined by the bylaws that we set in our lease that are really agreements to how we're gonna care for each other and the property. Gotcha, and so it's a lot of people living together. I'm looking for, uh, mm-hmm. I went to this vegan co-op before the- uh, Ash. Ash, is that what it's called? Uh, probably, there could be more than one. 
I don't know. I have their business card in here somewhere, but I lost it. But they were really nice people. And it's just a bunch of people living in a house together, like sharing food and having like a more communal way to live. And I feel like it's very, very fulfilling for the soul to be surrounded by people that you have the similar values with. So it was nice to, to meet a bunch of the people over there. Yes. And, you know, the one thing to keep in mind is and some some just great advice that I feel is valuable in lots of ways. But the relationships work for the people in them. Mm -hmm. And no co-op is the same as the other co-ops. There's a culture and a community within each. And, um, you know, the, the co-op that I'm in has become um, predominantly um, queer, black, brown, immigrant. And, um, you know, it's, uh, we need more um, spaces for people who, I think with affinity spaces, um, the, uh, the opportunity to to not have to defend your values like veganism you know where um you don't have to like like fight about that um where you don't have to like shift. it's always a fight sarah dawn <laughs> you don't have to like shift or fade um but part of yourself if you're a black person and are predominantly by community or if you're a queer person or a trans person you know like mm -hmm. if you can go home in a in a and just like be who you are, even an environmentalist, like I don't want to have to fight my roommates about composting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm happy to educate and I'm always here for it, but it's like, um, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is a shared value. And um, the other thing is, um, you know, as a 40 year old woman who's um, not married, not having babies that uh, I don't, and I have, I have, a, I have dogs. Well, just mm -hmm. him. I had, I had another dog, but, um, and I have chickens and yardens. And, um, I also have opportunities to live more sustainably you know, in the, the landlord is an amazing person who's deeply invested in sustainability in his career and in the community. And, um, the, uh, that I can't quite do that in, um, a condo, you know, and, um, I have, I have some, I have some, uh, lots, lots of things to say, you know, about, about um, the affordable housing program and sustainability. And, you know, uh, there's, it, it's a great opportunity and I'm really um, impressed with what we've been able to do over the, you know, the years that we've had those programs in the city. But um, I really like living um, in this house. I would never, we, we're really fortunate. Our landlord's really fair. Why? But, what do you like most about it? Why do you enjoy it so much? Um, the opportunities to live more sustainably and with my values. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you live in community and you live with people, it makes you have to be the best. You, I'm just like always growing. Like my yeah. mother asked me recently, like, aren't you, haven't you like outgrown living with other adults? And I was like, no, like, I, I have there are moments where you're just like super annoyed sure with people and stuff mm -hmm. but um my spiritual practice you know and my like core of the kind of person I want to be a compassionate giving person but also learning my own boundaries and being able to ask for what I need and practice nonviolent communication and um you know having relationships with people is one of our greatest um signs that we're going to survive a crisis the more mm -hmm. neighbors names you know the more likely you are to be resilient in a flood a fire cancer um the how about a pandemic you you've had a community with you the entire time and we've been really really lucky jelly everybody's stayed healthy and we have several people who work in the retail industry of boulder um service industry and uh you know the um I've been nominally on campus, so, you know, not low, very low exposure, but um, most of the house, you know, has survived, um, use the bus exclusively or Ubers, you know, mm -hmm. so we're, we've been really lucky. And I am so grateful that we um, enjoy each other's company and, and are, it's been far less of a, a burden because I'm not isolated. I, you know, I have a handful of other people that are um in my world and uh sharing my delights and my concerns and helping okay. me walk in when i have really long days behind zoom meetings right and, um, as we all do these know, days 
yeah and i also have you know how like we we share in in the care of our house which you know there's a lot to do with a house with chickens and gardens and um rain barrels and um charging fun. Vehicles. it's so fun and um yeah. i am uh living my values is probably one of the things that i think a lot of people associate with me and mm-hmm. also something that's been really, really um, a driving force between decisions that I've made in lifestyle and in pursuit of activism and housing, you know, that I want to um, have my thought, word, and deed align. And like to any young person who's watching this, that's some of like the greatest life's like wisdom I found. And I don't exactly know who said it. People have said it in different ways, right? But um if, if you're doing that, like you have a lot less um, n- neuroses <laughs> and sure. like um, you don't have to find prolific in our society at the moment. Mm-hmm. The um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's will I live in a co-op forever? Probably not. Um, but I do see um, the different housing models um you know, we have um, in North Boulder co-housing, uh, Wild Sage co-housing um, in the Holiday neighborhood, and there's um, there's there's other ones, the Washington School along Broadway. You know, so people can look at um, the Nomad community in North Boulder um, by Lucky's. You know, it's there's there's examples, and there's there's so many ways that we can do this, and make living more affordable, you know, if you have one income, if you are on a disabled income, if you are um, disillusioned with capitalist society and don't wanna live to work and, you know, are an artist, are a musician, are a teacher, um, the, uh, an activist, you know, that uh, an organizer that we have, um, oh, a healer, they're, they're incredibly important in our community. And um, the, um, the opportunity to have people who, you know, some, some co-ops will cook dinner, you know, and share mm-hmm. um, that, you know, and um, just it, it actually frees you up to do more in your community to show up more. Um, and uh, I, I couldn't do a lot of the things I do without the support, financial, um, emotional, physical, you know, like just mm-hmm. like, I'm in meetings most evenings and somebody has got to put the chickens in and we share, we we have a system of cooperation. Also like our world needs more cooperation. I would encourage everyone to look into Nathan Schneider's work. He's at CU Boulder and um, he's got so many great governance models for companies and um, of all kinds of businesses. And, you know, that's definitely something of the future that we will, we, you know, the, the companies that have cooperatively owned, you know, consensus or, or models of consensus, there's, there's several ways, you know, to, to use different tools and governance that have um, markings of a more democratic society and, you know, that we value each other's um, contributions as well as like thoughts and needs. And that makes us a more resilient society, you know, like acknowledging the ecosystem and the, the parts that, that make it, you know, and, and um, a social ecosystem, you know, is, is, is a business. And so yeah. like, we, um, I, I, I'm really excited about, uh, about those, those opportunities, especially as we have people aging, there's a lot of elders in uh, Boulder and um or um approaching elders and you know they i'm very passionate about death care and i'm an end-of-life doula and uh, you know working towards having more um space in my life for that and supporting our community because we need um we need to acknowledge that we don't have a lot of cultural um uh, markings to lean on in our grief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we're seeing that through the King super shooting, which is near my house. And we have, um, you know, 
even through climate justice issues like grieving species that we're losing, languages that yeah. we're losing, you know, like that we are seeing a world forever changed in ways um, that that that's hard, you know, and it's it's personal and it's geopolitical and the um, but the the way that we um, die in in how we you know. Um, acknowledge the uh the full cycles you know and again that kind of comes back to systems thinking and not feeling like we're or, or pretending that we're impermanent right. or um it's powerful meaningful stuff yeah yeah well sarah don it's been absolutely delightful speaking with to you today i've really enjoyed the conversation you have so many interesting ideas and you you're always think you seem to be always thinking about all sorts of ways to improve the world which i absolutely love i guess my last question is just if you could give yourself advice uh the 15 years ago when you were just getting started in your professional career kind of what, what would you say to yourself be kind you know you're doing think, it you clearly are well, <laughs> you get a little judgy when you start to get into environmental issues Mm -hmm. And you start to feel really strong, strong feelings about what is right and what is good. I try not to be like that. Is it this diet? Is it being car free? Is it, you know, um, this, that, or the other and not, um, you know, I think there's people who felt, um, judgment, whether or not I was like, there was a perception that I would be like, you're not recycling and like, um, recognizing, you know, the more that I've learned about uh, what is outside of people's um, realm of power control, what um, had access to. Um, and, you know, that they're bringing, pe people are bringing gifts in lots of different ways to make the world a better place. And it's, you know, maybe um, their gifts don't look like um, a recycling program or, you know, but um, that that grace for people um and that we're really in this three-legged race together as a human mm -hmm. species and you know we've got to like help each other um move forward and um and just like at the end Maya Angelou said nobody remembers what you said they remember how you made them feel you know wow. so I hope people feel empowered and um excited for a future that is more um uh, of the things that we want for for ourselves absolutely and i'm definitely in that camp all right everybody so be kind and uh you know be nice to your community and make it a better place every day sarah dawn thank you so much for coming on the show it's been awesome i really appreciate take it take care no worries yeah. all right everyone take it easy bye bye, bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Changing the Climate, the official podcast of Climate Change Realty. If you are very passionate about these issues and you know anyone considering buying or selling a home anywhere in the USA, then please visit ccrboulder.com today.